0: I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. Uh, My my podcast is about uh, getting people's experience and how it's leading them down uh, their path in life. Okay. Um, I don't... uh, I don't take snippets and stuff to make people look bad. I just put the whole conversation out there. So whatever you want to talk about, we can talk about. Okay. Um, But I do like to get people's, uh, their past. If you want to talk about that, Mm -hmm. uh, then we can get that. Okay. So uh, do you know where your parents were born?
1: Yeah. My mom was born in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and my dad was born here in Tulare County. Oh, in Tulare County. Yeah. Uh, And where were you born at? I was born here in Tulare County. In Tulare County, yeah. so your dad came out here to Tulare County. No, my mom came out to uh, California. Uh, her first husband was in the na- uh, Marines. Okay. Uh, stationed down south, and uh, that ended up in a divorce, and she moved up here to Visalia and met my dad. Okay. And uh, and that's how it all started. That's how it all started. What's the earliest memory that you have? Oh, I can remember back when I was like two years old, two and a half years old. Can you? What was yeah. that like? Oh, well, it was it was interesting. I because we uh, were citrus growers out in Exeter, which is about ten minutes south or uh, east from here. Yeah. And uh, so I grew up on a ranch. Okay. Surrounded by orange trees, got to play out there. Bunch of labor workers and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was quite interesting. Um, my mom and dad, they they didn't have the the best marriage, but, they, you know...
0: They tried to make it work. They
1: tried to make it work. Okay. They, there was some arguments and things like that that I grew up with, but my mom, I felt like she felt trapped in the marriage.
0: Oh. Because
1: she had four kids. Okay. My dad had more than four kids, but uh, my mom had four kids with him, and, um, or actually two kids with him, but she came in with the marriage with two kids. Yeah. And uh, so... I think she felt like she was kind of stuck in the marriage.
0: And you could feel that as a kid?
1: I could definitely feel that as a kid. Oh, okay. So, because she would strike out at us kids as, as far as saying things to us. Yeah. So, um, looking back at it now, I could see the frustration that she had that she she didn't know how to control herself with uh, her attitude. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she said things to us kids like, you know, she wished we were never born. Your mom said that. Oh, yeah. So, and she would immediately regret saying it, and she would talk to us about it, but I never, I never really understood that part. I I felt like I could understand a lot of things, like my dad wasn't that great to my brother that wasn't his son, Uh but, and I knew that, and I knew there was a situation there. Yeah. But, as far as like the things my mom said, I kind of took them to heart, and later on in life after she had passed away I was sitting there one day and I just had clicked that was her whole thing is she was stuck and so she lashed out not in a great way and it affected us kids so
0: yeah were you guys uh like oh, you said you were able to go outside to play and stuff like mm-hmm. that right oh yeah did you guys go to elementary school
1: yeah we went to, um we went to a school called Sequoia Union and it was a uh, uh, kindergarten all the way up to uh, um, eighth grade. Okay. So it was it was a lot of fun. Was it? Yeah, it was a lot of fun growing up in the country. And of course, I'd wake up and hit the front door, and I was gone for told yeah. night time. Barely came home to eat. So
0: that's one thing that uh, a lot of these millennials say right these days is that the Gen Gen Z or. You know, even the baby boomers—they yeah. were always outside yeah. and just never home and stuff. Yeah,
1: I think, I think the only time I remember ever being at home is when the Flintstones came on. <laughs> Gotta love the Flintstones, yeah. and uh when well, my parents would, you know, make us come in to eat. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was making us come in because we there was too many things to do out there right? in the country. Yeah, so and you had a lot of friends. I did have uh, uh, friends, but um, it was mostly my brother my sister and I. My um, oldest sister was 15 when I was born. Oh, so okay. she was already off in high school and college by the time you, I remember.
0: You were growing up, yeah.
1: So, but my brother, and um, like my sister that my mom and dad had together, she's uh, three and a half years older than me. Then my brother is four and a half years older than me. Okay. And so we were kind of tight as far as, you know, we went out and played in the orange groves, played on the tractors, did the whole, you know crazy stuff in the shop so Mm -hmm. it was it was a wild time that's awesome so but i yeah i remember those uh times even when i was being two and a half years old like i remember my uh second birthday do you yeah so that's a good memory yeah i'm I'm kind of shocked there's some other things that are kind of fuzzy but it's yeah little bits and pieces i remember like you know i talked to my parents and they're like oh you were two years old when that happened or you were two and a half and i was like yeah so
0: that's pretty awesome
1: yeah and uh, you got good grades? Not really. I, I did struggle in school. I um, I don't think I was ever diagnosed like with ADHD or anything like that, but I, I did have trouble. Um, sitting still or something? Sitting still. Oh, okay. Um, I can't even sit still right now, so it's like <laughs> I'm bouncing my leg. Yeah. So, yeah, I was always that hyperactive kid that just couldn't sit still. And yeah. Then I was embarrassed to, you know, like when I didn't understand things at school, I was embarrassed to ask for attention, you know, to get attention to, you know, get help. Yeah. So they did put me in uh, special education classes. Um, I think it was my fourth grade Mm -hmm. year. And uh, that was, I would almost say traumatizing because other kids in the school teased
0: about, oh, you're,
1: you're in the retarded class.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's like, you know. I wasn't really, it was just that, you know, but I didn't understand that. And yeah. then, you know, I think that's where a lot of my problems actually started beginning. Because with, of other... with With schools, with um, asking for help, being shy already, but, you know, because I remember being a kid, being like, running around, doing everything normal, like normal kids did, but then when I got put in special education classes, I kind of pulled myself in and was like, you know... Oh,
0: uh, you didn't more, want to hang shy. around. To them.
1: Yeah, more shy... I had, like, a really good friend. Then he moved away. And then I f- had another good friend. And that's all I did. I dealt with them. Only I didn't really associate with a lot of people at that time. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, yeah. And then I ended up, uh, my grades just were not, you know, like sixth grade going into seventh grade. I didn't really graduate. I. They, they just but, moved you. They just moved me into junior high.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh same thing with junior high eighth grade came around I didn't really pass they moved me off to freshman to the high school okay and then some other things happened my mom and dad ended up getting a divorce and I quit going to school I went and got a job and uh where were you where'd you get a job at? I went to work for Arby's uh here local in town and uh as a salad prep a bar uh, yeah prepper and uh cleaning tables and things and did that because it was my mom and dad were fighting over the divorce and everything and you know child support and alimony and all that and so even
0: just putting food on the table right yeah so
1: I was you know I would I went to work for Arby's and my mom would come in like every other week and pick up my check spend time with me and then she'd go cash it and pay bills yeah oh. so it was got it was a rough time for a while and then she um, uh, went to work for probation and uh because she used to work for it back in 64 and uh so she went back to probation and got a job and things got better but i still i i just worked and you just kept kept handing over my paychecks and no. just you know taking care of my mom so so you didn't have the typical
0: uh high school life no and after high school it just you just grinded and, and just try yep. to
1: yep. try to do what you can and because of the education and the lack of education that I had, I just, it was always, which I did enjoy the labor work. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a desk person, I, I, I can't sit still. Yeah. So, you know, I, I loved understand being, that. I love being out, you know. Um, matter of fact, when I worked for Arby's, um, I actually applied. This was uh, 80, 87, 88. I applied to try to go into the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I turned eighteen, but they wouldn't accept me. Because was it I, because of the ASVAB? Because of my lazy eye and because I cut my big toe off when I was a kid. Oof! So and a bike. you I, cut your big toe off? my mom and dad, or my mom and I and my brother went to one of her girlfriend's house, and I, I was five years old, and I asked to ride uh, her friend's son's bike, and back in the seventies, this is the old banana seat bike yeah. and everything, and yeah. the Schwinn. And, um, my mom was like afraid of me doing that because there's major roads really close by. So, um, she told my brother, she goes, we'll take him for a ride on the bike. And so I sat on the back of the banana seat, no shoes on, typical country boy. Yeah. He was swinging it back and forth as he was pedaling. And my foot went into the back sprocket and it just oh. chewed off the big toe was going for the second toe. And he was like, he still talks about it this day that he was like wondering, you know, why is it so hard to pedal? And all of a sudden he stops, but he put his left foot, I remember this, he put his left foot down and he like leaned the bike over and saw my foot in the sprocket. And he was like, he reached back and like cut me and, you know, helped me in the bike down on the ground. He goes, don't look at your foot. Well, of course but I didn't. You, so you got to look at it. I got to look at it. So I looked at it and there's blood squirting out everywhere. And, course i started screwing bloody murder at that time and he ran off got uh my mom's friend's husband and my mom and everybody and my mom went actually down to scoop me up she thought my foot just got caught in the spokes and it was like no big deal and then her friend's husband saw that my toe was twisted up in the sprocket in the uh chain and he reached down and snapped that chain and carried me i remember the big toe just being held on by little pieces of uh flesh and yeah. yeah and uh got me in the car, took me to the hospital, and they, uh, matter of fact, it was a kind of a joke through the family, because I watched them uh, cut, what were the bone was still sticking up, it pretty much just ripped the meat off of it, Yeah, and uh, they went in there with, looked like tree clippers, and I would sit there and watch the whole thing, the nurse kept on trying to put me down on the gurney, and I kept on leaning up, and the doctor said, um, just let him watch, and he'll, if he passes out, he, he'll lay down. And I watched the whole thing, and they got me prepped up, and then the following day they did the major surgery on my foot. Uh, so, but, yeah, I, um, so that was one of the reasons why the military wouldn't take me. They thought I was, because uh, your big toe and your pinky toe are your balancing toes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so they thought that, you know, I was going to, you know, be gimpy or whatever, the, where they th- thought I would be. But because I was so young, my toes actually curled over to take place of the big toe being missing, and I actually had better balance on that foot. Then i do my other foot.
0: <laughs> really? It's, it's, it's
1: funny, but yeah. So
0: It's, it's a wonder, or it's, it's a marvel that uh, the yeah. the body will adapt yeah. to what the situation is. Yeah.
1: I was embarrassed about it for years. And now it's like, you know, matter of fact, I tell all my friends' kids, you know, wear your shoes when you ride your bikes because this is what, and I'll kick your my shoulder? foot, and, you know, and show them my foot. And, yeah. You know, they're like, ooh, that looks gross. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it is kind of gross, but you know. That's what happens when you don't ride a, or you ride a bike without any shoes on. Yeah. So, but yeah, unfortunately, you know, cause that's what I was hoping for. Cause I didn't see, because of my schooling and everything, I didn't see where I could go in life mm-hmm. without having the education. And I thought military would be, and my family is really heavily into military, the military life right. and everything. And, okay. You know, generations of grandparents being in the military and everything. So mm-hmm. I wanted to follow in those steps. Yeah. And it was kind of like, because I had, I actually, even when I dropped out of high school, I remember thinking there's a life that I wanted. And I was thinking I'm not going to get there the the traditional way. I wanted to be a highway patrol officer since I was like 15 or 13. I wanted to be a highway patrol officer. And so I was thinking if I went into the military, followed the families, you know, go in, even trying to be an MP or something and then come out. Then get some, a job. You know, yeah, get a job on with the Highway Patrol, and all that just went down. And I was like, it almost kind of gave me a like, well, I'm just going to be a labor worker, and that's about it. Is it not degrading,
0: but a demoralizing? It woman? is.
1: I, I did feel that way. And, you know, because that's I kind of took the hope out of my sales. Yeah. So it was like, you know, well, I'll just do what I can. I went to, back to adult school, and, uh, Started doing paint and body work, you know, learning that trade. Mm-hmm. And, which is funny because I didn't last in that very long. I, I ended up going to work for a glass company here in town that also, also did cultured marble, like countertops and things. Mm-hmm. So, I was kind of like the jack of all trades through that company. I was like installing windows, uh, doing the cultured marble, uh, pouring it, cutting it, you know, installing it. So, and it wasn't that great of money. Matter of fact, I felt like I was very well. Underpaid on that job, yeah, but um, but
0: the type of work it kept you
1: busy though. It right? kept me busy, and a yeah. matter of fact, because there was a period of time my brother had a paint and body shop here in town, and I would go in at seven o'clock at the glass company, seven thirty, get off at five thirty, go home, eat something, go to my brother's body shop, and I'd work till like midnight, you know, just to keep myself busy. Yeah. So and trying to make money and help my mom and stuff because. I, I lived with my mom up until I was 28. Um, I felt like I couldn't let, you know, I couldn't let her live by herself. Yeah. That, you know, she needed somebody. Because I did, I I was dating this girl and I moved in. And it lasted about a month or so. But my mom went through, like, you know, a depression time that, you know.
0: Because you were gone.
1: I'm the baby of the family yeah. and I, I moved out. And so I went back into her house. And then she ended up uh, finding out she had leukemia. And... I I stayed there until she passed away and then you know you know
0: I don't I don't need to or I don't like to uh pick at the bad stuff.
1: Yeah. But did you watch her waste away? I did, and I wasn't the greatest son of during ever. that time. I, I really wasn't. Why is that? I don't know why. Oh. I I think about it. I think about it to this day because But what were you doing? Like Some of her situation, I mean, it it was like a, there was good times and bad times. It was like, you know, we'd end up in one, we were two peas in a pod. Yeah. So we clashed a lot. And so she was very quick uh, ever since I was a kid. Like I said earlier, she was quick to lash out Mm -hmm. and she could cut deep. My mom was good at that. And that taught me how to cut deep. (sighs) So I would cut at her. She would cut at me. And then, but then my mom was the type of person that, 20 minutes later she'd be like you want to go get coffee at A&W or you want to go out to dinner or whatever so but you know it kind of gave me you know because of my life you know things that have happened to me things that I I chose on my own you know I had always had a roof over my head Mm -hmm. you know yeah I gave my mom my paychecks all the time then I got into I had an El Camino that I had stereo equipment in and so I would take you know $100 $100 here out of my paycheck and go get stereo equipment or whatever or save up my money that way. But then I was in a. I ended up wanting a motorcycle so I uh, traded my El Camino to my cousin and he, um, he re-interned, bought me a motorcycle and that lasted about six months before I had my first accident. What kind and of motorcycle? It was a Kawasaki Ninja
0: Oh, sport okay. bike.
1: And it was the uh, RR special edition and it was it was a really fast motorcycle and it wasn't stock. So but the funny thing about it is when I would go out all guns out on it, I had some close calls but nothing, you know, never wrecked it, never had, you know, any real bad things happen. But I was actually on my twenty sixth birthday leaving a friend's house deciding whether to go hang out with this girl that I was friends with or my cousin, they were both wanting to spend time with me on my birthday.
0: Yeah,
1: It was actually my 25th birthday. And, uh, I was leaving my buddy's house and I was going through an intersection. I was kind of like just thinking, you know, wh- where do I go? Cause either way I'm going to make somebody mad. Girl pulled left in front of me and I was either hit her or hit the brakes. I slammed on the brakes and actually flipped the bike and it landed on me and everything. So, at that point, you know, I was my back was so jacked up and everything, I uh, was trying to deal with the medical situations and uh, ended up applying for disability, I think I was 26 and a half.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, thank God, my mom, you know, she was still working even though she had leukemia. So she kind of was, you know, she, at that point, that now she's taking care of 100% the bills and everything. Because I wasn't getting any kind of you know help,
0: no income, no yeah. income at
1: all. So uh, then when she passed away, I was like you know I rebuilt the motorcycle because I was like, you know I had to have transportation. So I rebuilt it and uh, um, riding,
0: but riding that with your back messed up, especially a sports bike like that.
1: Oh, it it was it was painful. Yeah, and uh, but it was you know I that bug got me riding motorcycles. Yeah. That bug got me. And so I was like, you I'm know, a motorcycle
0: rider, so I know what it's like. So yeah,
1: you know, there's a lot of times that I was like hanging my right leg off the, the foot pegs. Cause my hip was just killing me. And so, uh, um, she passed away when I was 28 and my family was telling me, my siblings were like, well, mom's retirement, you know, just live on that because you, you need that money. And so I did, I lived on that for a while. And then I took in a roommate um to try to, you know, help spread that money out a little bit further. And uh still applying for disability, getting denied and uh um ended up losing the apartment that I was uh, that I had and uh, uh moved in with a friend of mine and then that was two thousand September I w- was uh actually going down Mooney Boulevard and a car ah. T bowed me and <sighs> matter of fact it was A Friday afternoon, about 4.35 in the afternoon, they said um, I was leaving a buddy's work and was going to go back to my friend's house, and I got T-boned, went on to the opposite lane of Booney, hit on traffic, Honda ran me over, matter of fact, on my helmet, I have his tire mark where he started to run me over, I finally let go of the motorcycle at that point, bounced off, landed, that happened in front of Pet, Pet Boys, that intersection right there, and... I landed off in Lee Stereo's front door, not breathing, not moving. They pretty much thought I was gone. Uh, and it was a, a fireman, or a fire captain, that showed up on the scene. And the first one uh, responding to it, and he's the one that got me. Got resuscitated. me yeah, resuscitated. Yeah, resuscitated. And uh, it, I don't remember anything up until I woke up five days later in the hospital, and I wanted to out of the hospital. Because I remember thinking, my mom passed away.
0: In the hospital. In the
1: hospital. Yeah. Um, a bad situation. They gave her the wrong blood type. Uh, and so she passed away at the, in the hospital on the f- uh, fourth floor. I was on the third floor, and I remember looking up going, my mom passed away up there. I got to get out. And so I pretty much. You got up and walked out? I <laughs> This is going to be kind of embarrassing being on a broadcast. I um, tried to get up and walk out. They wouldn't let me. I waited till everybody. My cousin was staying with me, uh, sleeping in the little chair next mm-hmm. to the bed. I waited until she fell asleep, woke back up, saw that she was asleep, went into the bathroom, tried to pull my catheter out. <coughs> oh. Did pull my catheter out. That is painful. And a lot of blood. And she woke up, saw the blood, thought that I tried to commit suicide in the bathroom. She yelled for me. The doctors came in, nurses came in. I told them, I said, I just want out of here. They said, you know, if you can use the bathroom without bleeding... We'll let, you, we'll let you out. Yeah. And so, about four hours later, I walked out of the hospital. So, but...
0: Okay. <laughs> um Now, when you were in that accident and you were
1: out... Yeah. Do you remember anything? I do remember certain things. I remember being like it was a dark, cold place. Like... I don't remember anything going on around me Uh besides being like in a dark area. And I just remember it wasn't flames, but it was like dark, cold and like miserable, miserable. And I remember, you know, when I came to and realized where I was at and everything, I remember those kept on flashing in my brain. And I was like, what the heck was that?
0: You kept remembering. it, And then
1: I kept on thinking, you know, it's, was I going to hell? Yeah. Because I, you know, then I after days of talking to everybody, finding out that I pretty much was dead on the front lawn of Lee stereo. Um, you know, was that it? And then as a couple months went by, I started having little flashbacks of like, I remember the ambulance, right? That's not the, I don't remember seeing anything. I just remember the sound of the diesel of the ambulance. Mm-hmm. I remember, I could probably map out the the direction they came, they went. Um, gave me claustrophobic feeling so bad because it was like, you know, just so unease of all that that I, I couldn't grasp it. But then I knew that, you know, that I wasn't, you know, it wasn't just coming up in my memory as, you know, a hoax or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, I started re- remembering little pieces. But my dad was telling me, he said when I came into the hospital and they f- finally... Got me calmed down and sedated. That um, I kept on saying. I remember riding down Mooney Boulevard going south, and I remember a car coming, like between the tank and my arm, and I saw a fender. And that's all I could tell him. So I don't remember anything of that. Yeah. But I don't remember going through the you know the the center divider. I don't remember getting hit by the other car. Yeah. So, but uh, it broke my collarbone, broke pretty much all my ribs on my right side partially collapsed my right lung, so Uh, jacked me up even more, so here I have the, it was the 95 accident, and then the 2000 accident, I was like, my family's like, you're done with motorcycles, (laughs) and I'm like, you know, I had to prove myself, because about three months after I got out of the hospital, a friend of mine had a buddy come over with a motorcycle, and I was like, I got to show that I can still ride. So I did. I, was it a sports bike? It was. A, it was a Ducati. Ah,
0: oh, Ducati. My, my dream bike. So yeah. it was a twofold. I had to prove
1: myself, and I it was a, my dream bike. Yeah. So I took off. I didn't want to wear the guy's helmet because you know, I don't know, it's the kind of thing. I don't wear somebody else's helmet. So I took off, and I remember riding it, going, "This is stupid." Because now, I mean, my life was saved because of a helmet. Yeah. And now I'm riding without one. Yeah. And I'm just fresh out of the hospital, so. just
0: to prove that I got the balls. Yeah.
1: That's pretty much what it was, and so, you know. After that, uh,
0: I know. Did you ever think about getting like a cruiser?
1: You know what, I this is gonna sound funny, and people are probably gonna give me shit for this. I felt like cruiser was an old man bike. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm in my, you know, what my last accident in 2000. I was 30 years old. I was like, you know, okay, well, maybe. And then, you know, I just kind of pushed it off because my family was so in a fit. And then now I have the urge to get, like, a bagger or something. Ah, Just a good old cruiser just to, you know. I have a couple friends that have cruisers. And it was like, you know, I kind of like it. I actually like it better than a sport bike.
0: Nobody will ever understand that feeling of you just sitting there and just going down the road. Yeah.
1: You know, wind therapy, they talk about it all the time. You know, the motorcycle crews will talk about it. You know, the wind therapy. And I will tell you, I, there was many times that, like, my dad and I had a love-hate relationship. I mean, I could never do anything right by my dad. But I would go out to visit him, him and his new wife, and he'd make me so mad. And i as a matter of fact, one time I was sitting there, got into an argument with him in his front yard, and I left on the motorcycle. He lived out in the country. And I got on the motorcycle, and I just see red, and I was, like, about going through the six gears, Probably doing way over 120 miles per hour. (laughs) By the time I probably rode about 5 minutes, 10 minutes, I was so relaxed. Just didn't even care about that fight. Yeah. It was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But that's... And that's what it was. It was just that wind therapy that, you know... The adrenaline that you also get, too. I mean, you know. So... I don't know. that I still, I, you know, every once in a while, but my nephew, it's kind of funny. My nephew wanted a motorcycle. Well, he got a little 300, and he needed some help on it, so I went and picked it up and was helping him. But it, he makes me so nervous having that motorcycle. Because <laughs> anybody that I know, I get nervous because it's not yeah. if you're going to go down, it's when you're going to go down. Oh,
0: yeah, that's what the, the so, whole thing is, right? <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: So, I mean, even just dumping it, so, you know, like pulling in the driveway, I mean, it's just it's bound to happen. But uh, I went and rode his little 300, and I was like, yeah, this, i got to have a cruiser. If I'm going to do a bike, I would have to have a cruiser. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Even that little 300, that you know, it was a lot of fun to ride, but I got off that. I rode from Tulare to Visea, and I was done. I was like, my back, my shoulder, because I, I still got the broken clavicle. Yeah. And
0: uh, They never went in and I, fixed it?
1: No. They they put me in a, a, a harness and tried to get it to heal, and it did. It, it started to heal. And all of a sudden, like, I went to pick up a jug of uh, milk one time. And And it it just slipped. And um, so they said it's pretty much now there's nothing they can really do for it. Because it's like, they call it like broken glass. They said that, you know, you you can only, it can only heal so many times before it gets so brittle that it's just, it's it's no good. So I'm just dealing with, excuse me, I'm just dealing with it. So, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, my shoulder was killing me. My back was killing me. But. Luckily, I I ended up finally getting on disability, and uh, I had a friend of mine that we ended up getting married, and she worked for the school district here in Tulare County, Mm -hmm. and uh, she had really good health insurance, and so as soon as I went down to Cedars, and because my doctor that I was seeing at the time sent me down to Cedars, and they did all kinds of tests, and they were like, "Yeah, you're you're bad. Your back is jacked up. You're, you know, the the only section on your back that's." that's okay is jacked up. So that's pretty much telling me my, you know, the the bone that like your skull sits on is sticking up over here. It's not off to the side of your head. Yeah. Uh. So, and that's what I I say, you know, I'm, I do believe in God. I do believe in, you know, guardian angels and things. And I'm like both accidents. I should have probably snapped my neck, Mm -hmm. but my biggest fear of owning the motorcycle was not losing an arm, not getting killed even. It was being paralyzed, and yeah. it's funny. Both accidents probably should have paralyzed me. Yeah. And I'm walking barely, but I'm walking. And you're walking. So I have my times, like you know, especially going out of this trailer, going down the steps. I mean, every step down, it's like, oh. You but feel it. I, I definitely feel it. Yeah. So. Ah. But yeah, it's Man. it's my decisions. Some, some things I I had control. Buying the motorcycle, I had control. And my dad tried to tell me, you know, you don't have good health insurance, you don't have this, you don't have that, you shouldn't have a motorcycle. And I didn't listen to him. But, you know, he was right on that. But, you know, my choices, I ended up, you know, being pretty much homeless now. Uh, So.
0: Well, when I started riding a motorcycle, it was a 99 Honda VFR. It was more of a sports touring bike, yeah. Uh, but still, I fell in love with it, oh, not, yeah. not just the motorcycle, but the, being on a crotch rocket and just, uh, like you said, wind therapy, right? Yeah. Uh, and I had to get rid of it because of uh, electrical problems, and I, told, I kept telling my wife, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get another bike, I'm going to get another bike, and now with these gas prices and stuff, I went out and I got a, uh, a Kawasaki Vulcan. And it's not a crotch rocket. I'm like, "Ah, I know it's not. But still, I get on the road and I'm just like.
1: Well, and I think that's where I've come to, you know, to grips with was, you know, because like I said, you know, I always looked at cruisers being like the old man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The old man with the gray beard and everything, you know, (laughs) kind of like what I got going on right now. But, you know, the thing about it is like as not, it's just like anything. You know, you get out on that road and you just, you know, the throttle in your hand and you just go. Yeah. It's like the drilling rush, going through traffic, you know, going through the twisties or whatever. Yeah, It's like, you know, it's great whether you're on a crotch rocket dragging your knee on the corners or you're just got your feet up, just leaning back and cruising. Yeah. So.
0: I think it's more of the fact that we're paying attention to ourselves and the motorcycle yeah. and we're just forgetting everything else. Yep.
1: Um, and that's what it is. Like I said, I mean, when I, when I would leave my dad's house or I'd get into an argument with him and just go take off on the bike and ride, yeah, I, I did stupid things. But it's like, within five minutes, I was just relaxed. It was like, who gives a crap, you know? Life is just great, you know? How's the, uh, what's the fastest you've ever been on a bike? <laughs> <laughs> well, many years ago, the fastest I was, I was actually, um, it was right after I bought the bike. And I was going down Caldwell, and I looked down at the speedometer because I was running a little late for work, worked out at the Vice-A airport. And I clocked myself at doing over 160. Ooh. Because I was coming up on my, t- my street that I had to turn on, and I remember going, man, it's coming up fast. And I looked down, and I saw 160, and I was like, ooh. It was, like, like, was bouncing, mm. like 155, 160, and it was like, because like, like I said, that bike wasn't stock. It was all jerked out and jetted and everything, and it was like, that is stupid (laughs) because there's not, there's no picking me up at this point. There's (laughs) like picking up pieces of bone here and there, you know, (laughs) somebody pulls out. When you get up
0: to that, that, that speed though, it's more tunnel vision than anything else.
1: And that's what it was. I was just so focused on getting to work and it was like, you know, just looking down that path of that roadway, just laying into it and just, yeah.
0: And going down. Yeah. So,
1: which is funny because all the guys at the airport that I worked with, they were all teasing me because I was, my dad was always had airplanes. I my mom used to go flying when she was pregnant with me. So I've always been around airplanes my whole life. But the one thing that scares the crap out of me is helicopters. Really? I don't know why I got to, I got to get this fear under control and go for fly one time, but I don't know. It's just like, it's got no wings. You don't <laughs> no. lose power. You're going to fall out of the sky. Right. You know, the, that's my way of thinking about it. I, my uncle had airplane or helicopters and he crashed a couple of them, lost power in a couple of them. And, walked away with no problems you know yeah but it just it was always that fear and those guys used to give me so much crap out there because there was one helicopter out there that was called the black widow mm-hmm. the mitsubishi and they were saying you know it's really hard to fly and it's you know, really technical and and uh i kept on saying about how deathly scared i was and they're like you come out here flying out here plaza park <laughs> dragging your knee leaned over that bike could go out from underneath you at any time or a car could ditch it yeah and that doesn't scare you but getting into a helicopter.
0: That scares you, and I
1: was like, "That scares the death out of me." so <laughs> It's funny how life is. It's just—it's not knowing. Yeah,
0: it's not knowing.
1: Yeah. So, I well, I mean, I talked to my dad about it a couple of times, and he was—he laughed, and he would tell me, you know, "Have you ever seen a helicopter lose power and just fall out of the sky like a brick?" And I was like, "No," and he goes, "Because they don't—it doesn't work that way." Yeah. You know, there's there's more involved than just you know, no wings. Yeah. The propellers are the wings. Yeah.
0: It's called uh, auto rotation. Yeah, and so uh, even if you lose power, if you lose engine, you lose electrical, whatever. Those rotor blades are still going to spin. Yeah, and so it's more of a controlled crash. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, That's that's what my dad was telling me. He's like, you know, they they just don't fall out of the sky like a brick, you know. So, but I still haven't done it. I I I need to find somebody with a helicopter that'll take me up. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: (laughs) And so. You get on disability, and you you still have a house, or...
1: Well, I was actually, like I said, I was married. I got married to a friend of mine, and we were married uh, for over... T- well, just about 10 years before she filed for divorce, but in that time, I got my disability. We lived out in Exeter um, in a mobile home, and a uh, really nice area and everything, and, and we're doing okay, I mean, you know, with my income, and um, it wasn't the greatest... But, I mean, we had things going, and and uh, then, like I said, about a week before our 10th year anniversary, she filed for divorce. Did and, you see it coming? You know what? Yes and no.
0: You just weren't paying attention. I just
1: wasn't paying attention. And I guess that's a lot of what, why she divorced me, too. So, you know... Um, and that's where things started getting kind of crazy because when she filed for divorce, she moved her daughter in. Well, first she moved her father into the house. Yeah. Into our house. And, which was okay because, you know, um, he was getting up there in age. He had Parkinson, So we were all kind of medically taking care of him and, and everything. And I was still living there. She She filed for divorce didn't just kick me out or I just didn't move out. I stayed there. Then she moved her daughter in to help out too. And... Um, that's when things started going really bad as far as, you know, her daughter wanted to take over the house with her and her boyfriend.
0: Yeah.
1: And I had nowhere to go um, because we filed for divorce and her income was affecting my disability. I was only getting $300 a month.
0: Because she was so making too much money. She
1: was making too much money. Well, she also was on disability. So she her income, because they went off her work credits um, when she worked for the city, her income was greater than mine. So they took mine away pretty much and gave me $300 allowance is what I would say. And so I couldn't move out. I couldn't find a place to go. So they put up with it for a while. Her boyfriend and I got into some altercations a couple of times, but you know, then we pretty much all just had it to the point where the landlord, the owner of the house came in and was like, you guys all need to move out. There's too many people in this house. Her dad did pass away in the house and, so then that's when the landlord came in and was like, you know, you guys all need to move. So I happened to reach out to my niece that I hadn't talked to in about 20 years because I had cats. And I was like, I need help with these cats. I don't care about me. I can go live in my car on the street, you know, whatever. But my cats, I can't do that to the cats. So she contacted her mother, which her mother and I, the one that's 15 years older than me. yeah, She and I had a falling out about 20 years ago. So I just stayed away. And life went on and everything. Well, she told her mother my situation, and her mother called me and said, hey, I live in this big house up in Clovis. Why don't you move you and the cats in with me for a while until you can get up on your feet and get your disability to come up, you know, because the the disability kept on telling me that my income wouldn't go up unless I moved out of the house with my (laughs) ex-wife.
0: How how were you supposed to do that? If it... Well, that's what that's what I was telling the lady,
1: my caseworker. I was like, well, how am I supposed to? And even my ex wife, uh, um, because her caseworker was my caseworker, and we were uh, we did a three way calling one time, and even you know we were telling the caseworker, well, how am I supposed to get hit if you guys won't bring my income up? I can't, you yeah. know just move out, you know. And she goes, well, maybe you can, you know, start saving some of your money and doing this and that. And I'm like, but you know we're divorced, we're trying to get away from each other, you know, and here I'm stuck, you know, and my ex-wife, you know, that's why I was there is because she felt guilty, you know, that I didn't have any place to go. So when all that went down and my sister, you know, told me, you know, come on in and, you know, everything was going, going pretty good. My income went up. Um, and my sister, my car was breaking down at that time and my sister was, um, telling me, she goes, Paul, I just want you to have a, you know, I want you to feel like this is your home, just like it is mine. She goes, you can come and go. She was dating somebody, and um, she was never home. Mm-hmm. So she'd come in at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning, feed her dogs, do some paperwork or, you know, read her books or whatever, and then she'd take off and go back to her boyfriend's house. So I pretty much had this big, huge, you know, it was like 3,700 square foot house to myself. Really? It was pretty much, it was, it, her daughter's old tease about how it's the, the, the world's largest dog house because this, <laughs> these two dull dogs that she's rescued from the pound. Yeah. That's their house. That's it. They, they run the show. even when she's home, they, they run the house. Yeah. So, you know, then here I was the caretaker to that at that point. And then she was telling me, she goes, I just want you to be happy. She goes, because I kept on telling her as soon as my disability comes up and I can, I wanted to move to Tennessee. I have a brother, uh, that lives out there. And so I was like, I was, I don't know, some reason I just want to move to Tennessee. So I was telling her that and she goes, my brother and I, when we're great, when we're on the phone, when he has his own place, I have my own place. We do great. We live in the same house and we just clash. I mean, physically clash. And so she was like, I'm really worried about you and, and Mark, you know, being in the same house together. And I told her, I said, well, we do, we fight and, you know, it gets physical sometimes. She goes, well, I just want you to be happy. And I said, well, I, I call her sis. I said, sis, I said, to be honest with you, I'm happy here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm close enough to Vice to where I can come down and visit my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can help you take care of your animals and, and, and the house and stuff. And, you know, even though I'm hurt, I, you know, I can take my time like vacuuming or whatever, or, like going out mowing the lawn. Cause I love yard work. I just, like I said, I love being outside, but it just takes me longer now to do it. So yeah. I'm like, you know, I can take my time and help you out and get rid of your gardener and, you know. You know, you're helping me. You're not, you know, you're charging me so much for, you know, to to live here, but, you know, you're turning around and buying me groceries too (laughs) and things like that. So I said, you know, and then my car finally went to crap. And so she was like, you need to get rid of it. You need to go find you a new car. Well, I'd been saving money. And so I had some money saved up and, uh, um, I found this little Toyota that I was gonna to try to buy, a little Corolla, okay. and she was like, "You know, I I'd rather you have something a little newer." She goes, "Your credit score is going up." She goes, um, "I I'd like to, you know, you to get something newer, that you can depend on." So I went out and I was looking, and I found a two thousand and seventeen Honda Civic, and with like barely any miles on it, like thirty thousand miles, which is not even broken in on a Honda.
0: On a Honda, yeah.
1: So. It was more money than I wanted to spend. And I went to her and I talked to her about it. I told her, I said, well, says I said, with with me living here, I could afford it. But I said, I'm really kind of scared, too, because, you know, I'll be paying on this car till 2028. That's a, I know it's only six years, but it, it feels really long when you look at it as 2028. So I was telling and talking to her about, it. she goes, no, I think I really trust a Honda. She goes, I think that'll be a great car, get it. So she talked me into going and getting it, and then... I made a mistake. She, they always say don't talk politics, Mm -hmm. even with family, and that's 100% true, because she didn't like Trump, my niece and I liked Trump, my sister had a book on her kitchen table out in Plainview site. she had many books, she had a lot of bookcases, books underneath her bed and everything. I never went through any of her stuff, that's her, I slept in my bedroom or I was outside. Um, <clears throat> she had that book on the table and it said everything Trump touches turns to shit her daughter that lived two doors down always was giving her mom fits about you know oh orange man bad you know just teasing her mom so I thought it was funny and I snapped a picture because you know anybody can write a book I yeah. can write a book about you know anybody's life it doesn't need to be true really Yeah. you know it can be fiction whatever Um, I sent it to my niece and put in there like, LOL, this is so funny. Your mom, you know, reading books like this or whatever. Well, (laughs) I was sitting home taking care of the house one day and my sister went to my niece's house to have a birthday party and I didn't go. And about midnight comes around, here comes my sister in the front door out the sliding glass door, slamming the doors, and she got up in my face and told me she was pissed off at me and that apparently what I've gathered was there was some alcohol involved. My niece and my sister got into an argument about President Trump and how which way this country's going, and my niece threw me under the bus about that book.
0: Just because you snapped a picture of it? Because
1: I snapped a picture of it. My sister said that this was her sanctuary, And I needed to get the F out of her house. Ah, God. And that I could never make it right. And she held true on that. She was like, you know, you need to find a way. You need to find a place. You need to do something. She goes. So I ended up getting this place. And she bought me this place, actually. Did she? And uh, this little fifth wheel trailer. (laughs) But because I have my car payment... And I have no other way of, you know, getting transportation. I was like, I have to keep the car to be mobile. I can't afford a trailer park because trailer parks are going up on price oh, right it's, here. It's crazy. I, I mean, I called. I even looked at the place that's out on the country road going towards Ivanhoe
0: mm-hmm.
1: on two fifty six. Yeah, it's pretty much when people are getting out of prison, whether they're child molesters or whatever. They go out there, and it's a cheap, janky place. Yeah. So, it's the only place I could afford. So, I applied. And I kept on telling my sister, I said, they're not accepting me yet. I guess there's new owners taking over. And I said, you know, I they're not calling me back. And she goes, well, you got to be out by this day. She started lying to me, telling me she had to sell her house, that she was losing her income, and all this other stuff. So, she, like I said, she bought me this fifth wheel. The guy that I bought it off of said, well, I'll hold it until you find a place to put it, and then I'll I'll take it out there to you. Um, and I kept on telling my sister I just got to wait until, you know, see if I can get into this place. She was like, I said the only other thing I can do is park it on the street and live on the street. So that's when I learned the, uh, the name for docking a trailer on the street is called uh, dry docking it.
0: That's what it's called? Um, dry docking?
1: Dry docking. Okay. And uh, it's where you're not hooked up to anything. Yeah. Or, you know, you're just pretty much... Sitting there. Sitting there. Yeah. So, she goes, well, you have to do what you have to do. She goes, you have to be out by this time. Well, my birthday's on, on June 30th. She told me, she goes, well, you have another week. And that was uh, about June 12th. She let me stay there till June 23rd. And she was like, you got to go. So... The place still wasn't calling me. I was calling the guy, and matter of fact, the guy that I was talking to was starting to get pissed off at me because he's like, "You're bugging." I said, "Well, I'm calling once a week to at least you know let you know that I'm interested." I gotta, I gotta go somewhere, so you know he was like, "Nothing I can do about it right now." So I had the guy bring the the trailer over here behind Target, and you know he, thank God, because I didn't know anything about you know living in a trailer. So he filled it up with water and got the propane tanks filled up and everything and said, well, you got water, you got, you know, you can at least turn on your uh, refrigerator through the propane. And um, he goes, you're going to need a generator. And I was like, well, I don't have a generator. So my sister was like, well, I'll try to help you. Well, then my niece ended up giving me a generator that she said that would work. It barely works. I I can't even turn the AC on. Because as soon as I turn it on, it kicks the uh, breaker on the uh, generator. It does it? And it's uh, the guy told me that it would take thirty five hundred watts to run this place. I would be able to run the AC, but not like the microwave at the same time or whatever. Yeah. Thought okay, that's no big deal. This is a forty five hundred watt generator, but it doesn't hold it. So I think that you know, it's just falling apart is what it's doing. <sighs> so yeah, but. I I even contacted my niece and let her know, you know, hey, I'm not getting into this place. The generator, I can't even turn the AC on. It's, you know, reaching into the hundreds now.
0: It's been really hot lately. So
1: she's like, Uncle Paul, she goes, I can't help you. She goes, you know, I, we gave you that generator. And I was like, yeah, it's not holding it, though. And, you know, is there a way you can talk to your mom about maybe helping me get a new generator or, you know, something. You know, and I let her know that I'm not getting into that trailer park yet. Well, then finally I got word from the trailer park. New owners did buy it. They raised the rent to over $600 a month. I can't afford it. No. So now I'm stuck back dry docking on the backside of you know Target.
0: This was such a great episode that I had to split it up into two parts. You can catch part two on my website. Thank you very much.